Welcome to Careers Unwrapped, where we delve into real-life career stories from successful people who've been through it all, the ups and the downs. We'll get their raw, honest, actionable advice and be the careers talk they wish they'd had when they started out. As someone who has had a varied career, from soldier to salesman, expedition leader to entrepreneur, he knows firsthand that your career doesn't always lead you where you expect it to. Here's your host, Mark Fawcett. So hello and welcome to Careers Unwrapped. I'm your host, Mark Fawcett, and with me today is Hilary Owen. Hilary is the head of marketing at Escape the City. So that's a company that aims to actually help people quit their current jobs and find work that matters more to them and to the world around them. Prior to that, Hilary's worked in London, she's worked in New York and in Hong Kong in fashion, brand and content marketing. And she's currently often working remotely whilst actually traveling around Europe at the same time. So Hilary, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Mark. I think what's useful, first of all, is let's just dive into what you do now, the nature of the work as head of marketing and what a week by week for, fills your entry. So yeah, as you said, Escape the City is a kind of a jobs board, but also kind of a place, a community for inspiration for people who want to do something different and purpose at the heart of their careers. As in my role at Escape, it's quite a broad marketing role. So kind of touch on like creating content that is going to inspire people and that is going to be useful and give them advice, but also working directly with organizations to help attract people with kind of, I guess, the way that they're presenting themselves. And that's kind of, I guess, within that, there's social that comes from that, um, managing different people. So there's quite a few different facets, which I personally really enjoy because it kind of keeps every week different and interesting. And actually, yeah, no week really is the same, which is great. And as you touched on, Mark, it's a 100% remote company. So everyone is based all over, someone in France, Portugal. I'm currently in Cornwall at the moment. And actually, that's brilliant because it means I can either work from home or I often go up to a co-working space just to kind of get that community feel, I suppose. So, yes, that's probably in a nutshell. <laughs> and so the working remotely, a lot of us are more used to spending some days in the office, some days at home, but you spend no days in a group office at all. And you've been traveling around Europe in a converted van. And what are the advantages that that has brought to you? But also... Where's it been hard? Yeah, I think for me personally, the advantages are huge. I think it gives you so much flexibility to kind of plan your time as you choose. And I'm really lucky that at Escape, I have a lot of autonomy in order to do that. I think obviously the obvious one is I can work from wherever. So I, yeah, we spent quite a lot of time going around Europe in the van and then went to Panama last year for three months and worked from there. And, and I think that having that remote flexibility is brilliant. In terms of issues, I suppose it's harder when you work with a team remotely to connect. And actually, sometimes you, there are some conversations you need to have, or even just like, you know, bonding, I suppose, is harder to do. But we have a couple of like team retreat each year, which really helps. But I think probably that. And I think also you have to make sure that you do get out of the house and you don't, that's why I kind of split my time between a home and a co-working space because otherwise you don't really have that. It's harder to create separation at the end of the day. And how do you help the younger or newer staff really get embedded in the business and learn and develop themselves when they're not with other people? Yeah, I think it's a totally different way of doing it. 
I think just having like regular like Zoom calls with them and like regular check-ins, check they're okay. We have morning calls every day at nine o'clock and just, I guess, have a chat, like talk about what you had for dinner the night before, you know, what you did at the weekend, that kind of thing and try and build it in that way. And in terms of learning, again, because it's remote, we might be like, I might do like a video voiceover and send it to them if I'm trying to show them something specific or if they are, well, we'll go on a call and then share a screen and do it together. So it's kind of just trying to find ways around it, but making sure you have still got that. Like you say, there's the learning side and then there's also the connection and just trying to do everything we can. But obviously, as there are so many tools and like tech available now, it's kind of easier than ever, I think. So the sort of people who come to Escape City are looking to change a career. How do they successfully manage changing a whole career from a completely different role or sector into a new one? That's a very big question. Well, I suppose it's kind of, we're at this point now where gone are the days when it was frowned upon to change your career or even have like a gap on your CV. And I think it's actually a brilliant time to be, whether you're like starting your career or, you know, moving in a different direction because careers very much like can be non-linear. They can be squiggly. And actually, I think that my experience is it actually really helps to have that because you learn so much and you kind of experience so many different things. So I think, firstly, it's remembering that your career path isn't a destination. It doesn't need to be perfect, and actually it's a journey. And I think it was like kind of reframing it to like chase your curiosities rather than like finding your passion, because that doesn't necessarily, well, it might exist for some people, but it doesn't have to. So I suppose I think being really open, I think practically there's a few things that you can do. I think, first of all, kind of set yourself some time aside take stock of any strength that you have, you know, what positive feedback have you received? What achievements are you proud of? Where, like, well, how are you most productive? And what do you actually enjoy doing? There's clues in that of like how you kind of, where, what certain qualities will inform that and where that could take you. And I think just reflecting on your career to date, who has motivated you, what drives you, like beyond the day-to-day responsibilities. And I think once you've kind of like taken stock of your current skills, your strengths, your reflections on your career, I think from there you can kind of pull out your transferable skills. My partner, actually, he has been a teacher for 12 years and he's just recently changed his career. He's starting a new job in September, that are totally separate from teaching. And we kind of went through all of this process together. And I think doing that with someone who is like in your life is kind of it's a real eye opener and actually really shows you that you've got people have so many transferable skills that are, you might not necessarily spring to mind. And it's all just about how you then reframe those onto your CV and your cover letter. And I think that's a main one really is that actually if you craft your specific cover letter and CV per job, it really helps to kind of make sure you are tailoring it, I guess, as much as you possibly can. So if somebody comes to you and just says, I'm stuck in a rut. I don't enjoy the path I've taken so far. I need a change. How do you help them if they don't know yet what the change is that they want? They just know they want out. I think it's that reflection piece that you have to do at the start. And I think it's almost like whether it's like allowing yourself a day or a weekend or whatever it might be and just reflecting on what it is you actually enjoy. 
like different parts of a previous job or things that might be in your personal life. And I think it's really doing that kind of having a real open slate. Almost I imagine it having like a huge piece of paper and just writing all of those things down and, you know, almost like stepping away from a computer and just, I think, figuring out. And I think once you've done that, once you've got those, I think you can then start researching. So you might, for example, like type into Google project. I enjoy managing projects. And then from that kind of come up with different job titles that might match that or say you really like doing stuff on computers. You can then go there, oh, maybe like coding or developing could work for me. And almost trying to match up the skills that you have, that you enjoy with certain like job roles. And then from there, you can then think, right, okay, do I need to reskill? Is there something new I need to learn in order to get here or, or how I got that? And I think doing it in that way. And what sort of proportion of people who go through this process with you at the end do end up in a better place for them, a role that more suits them, a place that makes them happier? I don't have an exact number, but I think certainly we have a huge amount of people that have come to us and have said, actually, I found a new role or changed my career through Escape City. And I think, yeah, I think it is just going through that process and even just like researching, scanning job descriptions, finding out what kind of how your skills fit into those different kinds of jobs that really helps. Are there any common factors amongst the people coming to you? male, female, age? Are they coming from certain sectors that they're just not happy with? Are there any more common denominators amongst them? Yeah. Interestingly, it's probably about 70% split of women versus men. I'm not quite sure why that is. I don't know if maybe women are a bit more open to change and kind of like chasing things, whereas men perhaps have kind of a more straight on their career path. But I think the other thing is we see there's probably like two types of people. There's people who have come from perhaps more corporate jobs. They might have started, you know, gone to university, gone straight into that kind of like milk ground corporate job setup, and then being like, actually, this isn't life. There must be more than this. And so we see probably about 50% of those. And then the other half are people who might be, have worked in startup environments or purpose-driven jobs, but they just feel like they're not progressing. And I think for them, that's a kind of a way of, of changing as well. So if most of them are leaving something they're not entirely happy with, how do they assess that the next step is something they are likely to be happier in rather than just ending up feeling the same? How do they judge that it's the right culture, that it's the right company, that it's the right job for them? Yeah, I think it's a really good question because I think especially if you've got to that point you feel ready to take the leap because it is the big step. And especially if you feel like I've spent 10 years doing this career and now I'm just going to throw it all away and you need the next thing needs to feel right. And I actually think a lot of that comes down to the company and as you touched on, like the culture. And so I would recommend doing as much as you can in order to find out about a certain company or a role. I think there's a few things. I think paying attention to the job description you know, if, for example, if you see a list of requirements and not much else, and that's a bit of a red flag. Whereas if you see it's got other information about like personal growth opportunities or an insight into what their culture, you know, if they have like half day Fridays or anything like that, I think that really shines a light on, you know, you trying to figure out what the culture is like. And I think also how if you're interviewing with a company or you've been communicating with them, 
I think how they communicate with you is also, you can get a real good feel for that. Like, you know, are they prompt with their emails? Are their emails friendly? Like that kind of thing. And then obviously there's the other things you can do to research a company, like checking out their LinkedIn and team pages. If there's any information from like reviews or current employers, like for example, we've got those on Escape City, but also companies like Glassdoor, you can get a feel. And I think it comes back to that reflection point of, thinking, asking yourself, does this company fit with my values? Does the purpose of the company motivate and inspire you? And also ask yourself, like, why do you really want to work there? Because if it's the money or if it's because you just really can't stand your current job, then maybe you need to just take a step back and just check that it is the right, you're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. I mean, that's one area I was wondering about because a lot of people, of course, you're going through a job over a number of years, and there are going to be highs and lows during those number of years. And if you're making the decision, say, let's say I want to leave an entire sector, which I am now well-trained for, maybe that's in finance or something like that, you've got to get it right that it is what you should be doing is leaving the whole sector rather than just perhaps changing companies within that sector and building further on your skills. Do you ever advise people that maybe they are in the right sector, just in the wrong job and the wrong company. Yeah, I think it's really clear. You can tell the way someone like frames or talks about it, you know, whether it's like their manager or the fact that they have these three hour long meetings every week or whatever, you know, certain things when you can tell that actually, whereas it's not actually about the work they're doing, it's more about the company and maybe issues within that. Yeah, and so much of this can come down to an individual manager, regardless of the sector or business that you're in. Do you give advice or have you, from your own experience, got advice you can reflect on about what to do when you're underneath one manager who is a blocker or who is just wrong for you? It's a really good question. I think the main thing is communication with that and obviously you might not be able to communicate with that manager but if there's someone else that you could speak to within the company and almost just come and I guess like present what the issues are and hopefully they can help you find a solution because it is a really difficult thing and actually that being a good manager it's not easy and I feel like there needs to be more emphasis on that for people of like maybe they become a new manager like what there's certain things that they can do to make sure they're doing it well and fairly. At Escape City, you've got on the website a, a list of 100 companies that you've ranked and assessed for being great places to work. And a lot of them seem to be small or medium-sized businesses. Is it possible to be a big corporate organization yet still meet the standards and criteria that you're really looking for? I think it is possible, but it is a lot harder because it, you know, if you are a smaller company, say you've got 50 people working for you, it's a lot easier to implement certain policies. Whereas the minute you get trying to do that on scale and you've obviously got more people who, you know, not everyone fits, needs the same thing and fits in different ways. So I think it definitely is possible. I was going to come on to that piece about what people might call non-linear careers. You're either bouncing around a bit or you're working in a way or a format that is less traditional. And it seems that non-linear careers can fit quite well with some industries. But do you think it's a concept that only suits a few industries or can work equally well across all sectors? 
And it's something I often have to check myself and remember because obviously not all jobs suit that kind of career. Um, there's certain jobs where you can't have that kind of non-linear. But equally, I think, say if you've been a doctor for five years and you do feel like you really want to make a change, it is definitely possible, but you might just have to potentially retrain. I think that's the other thing. If you're going the other way, you, there's potential where you might need to retrain in order to get there. But it definitely does suit certain types, I think. Yeah, I think the sort of reflection and advice you're describing is critically important for people. In my own career, I've bounced from university to being a soldier in the army for a while, to running expeditions to jungles and mountains, then to running a tech business, to setting up what I do now. And all of them are bouncing around. And I think that the reflection I did between them was probably subconscious more than what you're describing, which is to take time out to properly write down what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy, the skills you think you've got, the skills you want to develop. And obviously that can be critical for people at many stages, not just when they're starting their career, but also at the various steps during it. I think therefore looking at your own career, because it's great talking around the work you do at the moment and how that's helping other people's careers. But if you take yourself right back to school, to university, do you remember what you wanted to be at that age? Yes, I actually remember when I was at school, I wanted to be a doctor, but I remember my science teacher telling me that that was quite unlikely. So, and actually now she was 100% right because I don't think it would have been right for me. But when I left school, I did an art foundation course. My mum's really creative. I've always kind of had that within me. And I then went on to university to do knitwear design for fashion. So obviously something completely different to where I am now. And I then did, you know, three, four years at university in Brighton doing that. And then when I graduated, I went into a knitwear design role in New York. At that point, I was really set in my mind that any job I did in the future needed to match the degree I'd done. And I think maybe that's a kind of more traditional thought process. Like my dad, he had a corporate job. My mum was freelance and doing lots of different things. And I think actually now looking back, I think those two quite different things colliding probably has influenced how my career has, has turned out. And I think once I came back from New York, I was like, I need to have another knitwear design job. It was like a real bugbear for me. And actually by the time when I did eventually move into a marketing role, it was almost like something I had to kind of get over and make peace with the fact that it was like I hadn't failed just because I hadn't done that career path. And, you know, now, as I say, I've kind of learned so much about all of that. It's funny how things turn out, I think. One of the things I love when we're unwrapping somebody's career is coming across jobs or roles that they did that I'd never even thought was a job, but of course it is. And so you moved to New York to design knitwear. And does that mean that you were coming up with the original concepts or are you actually taking them through to manufacturing as well? And perhaps just give us an example of products that ended up on the shelf starting in your creative mind. Yeah. When I was in New York, I worked for quite a big corporate fashion company. And so the work I did was that very, obviously there were so many different levels within that. So for me, it would be sketching an idea or finding something that inspired me and then designing what that would look like on a jumper, for example. 
and it would then be sent to our factory in Hong Kong or Italy and then they would then send it back. It would kind of be a process then of altering, going back, feeding back until it then got handed on to the next step, which was production. And they would decide what yarn it was going to be in, what sizes range it would be, those kind of things. But then on the other side, I worked for a small cashmere company who were based in Hong Kong. And with that, I did everything from the start, designing garment through to the production. So there's different ways. And I suppose it's like with any job, isn't it? If you're in a smaller company, you kind of oversee more of it. And it's just what suits different people. Some people want to be more specialized and just be in one specific area. Some people prefer to kind of have a broader view. And how often when you were out and about, did you see somebody walking around wearing an item that you'd been part of the creation of? I saw it a couple of times. I actually still have a few pieces that I designed, which I feel like I'm never going to let go of because it's just that thing and you know how long you spent on it. And I remember there's this one that I've got and it's got a really complicated like cable stitch and yeah, you never let go of those things. I don't think you forget them either. And what did it feel like when you saw someone wearing one? You feel really proud, but also it doesn't feel real. Yeah, I think just proud. Well, this is definitely a first for me discussing cable stitching on Careers I've Rat. So how did you move from that into what is now the broad marketing sector? So when I came back from New York, as I said, I worked at a small cashmere company. And basically, I worked there for two years. And after a while, they decided that they were going to focus more locally. So that job was coming to an end. But I was also quite unhappy because, and it's funny again how things turn out because I was working at home on my own. They were based in Hong Kong and I found it really difficult. I didn't enjoy it. All I wanted was to be in a team, be around people, be in an office. And so I was just hunting for jobs and I ended up getting a job as a VIP assistant at a company called Vestiaire Collective, who are like an online resale platform. And for me, it was just like a way out and to, to be in an office. And it was like a lovely office environment. We had team lunches, all of those things that I think in your early 20s, you just really like, for me, and that's what I really wanted. So I did that. And then an opening came up within at Vestiaire for a marketing assistant. So I applied, had to do a presentation and anyway, got the job. And from there, I've kind of just, I guess, gone through a, a kind of stages of being doing a job for a little while and then moving up. And actually, that's kind of, I guess, how I've ended up here. And so I, I find that interesting that a number of years ago, you were working from home remotely and unhappy. And now you're working remotely and seemingly very happy. Yeah, it's so funny. What do you think has caused that change for you personally from over the years, that environment then to this environment now, but a very different perception of what you want out of your working life? It probably maybe a little bit of the fact that I was in my early 20s and that was kind of what I wanted. And, you know, I'd just come out of university, I wanted a job in an office. I think maybe as well, I'm a bit more, I say, at peace, but I'm a bit more feel good about in my own skin compared to then I think maybe I was not feeling as confident and you kind of being around people gives you that like reassurance whereas I think I was just a bit like am I doing it right am I doing it and actually I feel really lonely and then you know it feels a bit sad whereas now I yeah I feel I think potentially because I feel a bit more self-assured now. And that journey that you've been on but I think a lot of people go on from less confidence to more confidence from needing reassurance to feeling 
quite assured. If you could speak through the magic of time travel back to your, you know, yourself in your early 20s, what advice do you think with your experience now you'd pass on? I think the advice that actually, like, it's okay to not know the answers and it's okay to be learning and you don't need to. I think I always felt like I needed to be able to do it. And actually, sometimes you don't need to be able to do it and you kind of go through these phases of being less confident, learning, and then feeling more self-sure. It's a process. And actually, there isn't an end goal. It's all, you're learning along the way. It's just a journey. And I think approaching that with reflection, approaching situations with a positive mindset, I think really helps. I think just being really open to learning and developing and, and knowing that even if something bad does happen, it's not the end of the world. It'll be okay. And if one of the barriers you face along the way is your own confidence levels what other barriers or hurdles have you had to overcome in the course of your career journey i think the fact that i didn't do my degree in marketing i did my degree in something completely different i think that as a barrier kind of from a personal level it felt like a barrier to me because i was like am i qualified for this do i know what i'm doing i'm just it felt a bit like sometimes i was second guessing and i remember one time in particular i took on this huge project and it was just too much for me at that point in my career. And actually, I think looking back on it, I think I would have been better off asking for support and saying it's too much for me. And there were certain things that didn't necessarily work out the way I wanted them to. And I think if I'd just been a bit more open about uh, needing a bit of support, I think that would have helped. I think in a way, having that happen probably set me back a little bit because then I then felt even worse like in terms of my confidence and ability to do the job. So that was one time that I really remember. And perhaps, Cam, what was the project? And more importantly, what were the things that you felt it was too big for you? Was it the scale of the project or your own skills and experience or a team around you? I think it was the scale of the project. We were launching a first ever pop-up in a department store in London. And it was just, I don't think I realised the scale of the project. And I think I was between managers at the time. Um, so a new manager came in. Um, halfway through and I think that probably didn't help then you will feel like you need to show yourself in the best light because you've got a new manager you know so that probably didn't help within it and did you have the chance after that to pause and reflect or is it more hindsight now that is making you think about that I think it's hindsight now for sure definitely at the time I think I knew it because I didn't feel necessarily good about and it all worked out in and like fine in the end but it just probably could have gone a lot smoother. And we don't have to focus always just on the barriers and the problems. What about the real high points of the role you do now? So in the broad area of marketing and the roles you've done through this, what are the bits that you look back on already and think, I love that? In my role now, I think as you touched on it, the Escape 100 list, which is the top organisations to escape to, I love that. I think the whole process of that, and this is something that, that I enjoy being part of a smaller team, is that I've just been involved in every single process of that. And that's, you know, we had 14,000 organizations nominated and going through, obviously there's a, a system, but going through then and reviewing all the scoring and telling all the companies when they won, like, I love that. And I love the energy that that brings. I think a part of the broader marketing role that I really enjoy is speaking to people, partnering with other organizations that are doing good things, 
and building connections. And also I think seeing, hearing stories of like, whether it's companies that had an amazing new hire or speaking to job seekers who have changed their career, I think that brings great satisfaction. And on the journey so far, have there been any particular people who you can reflect upon and think they really helped me? Whether consciously or unconsciously, they played an important part in your progression. I remember one of my managers at Vestia Collective, she was amazing. And she taught me about how to be a good manager. I think we used to sit down every week and it seems really simple, but small things like her having a, her list. And then each week we would go through the list and I would like, you know, just like small things that make a difference. I think in terms of feeling inspired, I recently ran a webinar with a lady called Sim, who was an octopus money coach. And we talked all about gender equality in the workplace. And I found her really inspiring, just a fountain of knowledge and has so much great. I could have chatted her all day. And one of our career starter listeners has submitted a question, which is that what's been the most beneficial career tip you've been given during your time in the industry? That is a good question. I think probably one of the most beneficial things of it is just to keep learning. Um, keep whether that's like really consciously upskilling or whether it's like listening to a podcast or whether it's I think just keep on learning and developing and knowing that you don't have to. It's not an end goal. As I touched on thought, it's a journey and learning along the way, it makes it all worthwhile. And it, you know, at the end of the day, your career is for you. And I think putting yourself first within your career is really important. And you're in an interesting position because obviously you've got your own career to think about and to reflect on, but you're also deeply involved in many, many other people's careers during your current work. And I'd be interested to know what you've experienced and seen in general as changes in attitudes towards career and towards work since you started to where we are today. Yes, I touched on this earlier when I was saying my dad was from quite a corporate background. Um, it's the main thing is that people used to stay in their job from 20 until 65 when they retired and they likely stay at the same company for 25 years and then maybe move. And I think, and it's the very much the nine to five in office culture. So I think there's two things there. I think it's the fact that your nowadays careers, even if you do stay in the same industry, you might much more likely to change to a different company. It's okay to move somewhere after two years, say. I think, so there's that side of things. And I think the other thing, the main thing really is the change in approach to flexibility and remote work. I think even companies where they can't necessarily, you don't work remotely, a lot of them now allow you to work one day from home or that kind of thing. So I think that's been a huge shift. And certainly when Escape City started 13 years ago, that with the two co-founders, they were both in corporate jobs. They wanted to do something different. They knew there must be more to life than, you know, four grey walls. At that point, you know, changing to a different job or working remotely, those were things that just weren't really done. And quite a fringe idea. And so I think seeing how now it is just so much more the norm is brilliant because it means that people can work in ways that work for them and it not, you know, have to hinder their life. You can almost, things can fit together a lot better. Yeah, I think that's something I see so much of as well around there is that it's not so much about a sector that you work in that is good or bad. And people might say, I could never be a this or I could never be a that. It's more about 
the culture of the organization and the immediate people you work around so that you can be in one sector and thoroughly enjoying yourself and someone else can be in exactly the same sector and a different job and miserable just because of the environment that they're in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's so much more emphasis now on culture and putting people first and knowing that they might need help with their well-being, knowing that things aren't always, that they're different for everybody. There's so much more of an emphasis on that now these days. And so if some of the changes you've seen over your career have been changes in the speed at which people might move between different jobs, but also the flexibility that's on offer. Going forward, what are the changes we're going to see in coming years? I think it's going to be more and more about flexibility and remote work. I think that trend isn't going to slip because obviously that came from lockdown companies having to do something about it. But I think that is not going to change. I think it's only going to become the norm. I think things like four-day week, and nine-day fortnights. Again, that's happening more and more now in companies. And I think it's that whole conversation around work-life balance or life-work balance. So I think that's going to be a big thing. I think also younger people are caring a lot more about purpose of the company that they work for. And I think that's something that's going to, again, just continue and asking those questions about why a company is doing what it's doing and that kind of thing. So I think those are the, probably the three things, flexibility, the four-day work week and putting purpose first. And is there a, a risk of a clash at some point here? One thinks of some of the larger tech businesses in California, for example, who embrace everybody working from home but are now saying, nope, everybody come back to the office. Where are we going to end up between that balance between what individuals want and in some cases what businesses believe is best for the business? It's a really, really difficult one. And I think companies are going to have to, when they do say, actually, this isn't working for our company, I think they need to be transparent with the people that work there and say, this isn't working for this reason. So and almost like they're going to have to compromise a lot more than I think previously companies would just be like, no, no, no this is how we're doing it. But I, I think we're at a point now where that's not going to work. It's not enough because there is so much more awareness now on how people working in ways that work for them. So in other words, perhaps enough people have now been made sufficiently empowered and aware that there are different ways of doing things and will use that way to influence the business and sectors they work in. I would have thought so, yes. Interesting. So I feel we've covered so much in such a short period of time because we haven't just delved into and unwrapped your career. We've actually explored the whole area of people changing entire careers, entire sectors because of a want for something different. So it's been really interesting to dive into that. And I think one of the things I, I must ask also, which we ask of everybody towards the end of these conversations, is we want to keep passing this baton of careers insight and advice along. And is there somebody else who you think we should try to get on here because they could offer us a lot from their own career journey? And when I mentioned her earlier, Sim Riordan, she has had a really varied career coming from a corporate background and then moving into, you know, various different, more purpose-driven organizations. And I, she's fascinating. And I think she'd be a really great one to chat to. Great. Thank you. And just a final question from me, really, in terms of perhaps trying to bottle up and pass on a bit of advice to people who aren't working in marketing at the moment, but 
like you have successfully done are thinking, I want to move from where I'm working into working in marketing. What advice would you give to them? My advice would be is to speak to other people who maybe currently work in marketing and get a feel from them of what skills they might need to develop or you know, say if they're already really like into social media, maybe that could be an avenue of marketing that they might go into. So I think speaking to people just hugely helps. I think researching what might be needed and then going through that process that I talked about earlier of reflection and pulling out your transferable skills. Great. Hilary, it's been wonderful having you on Careers Unwrapped. Thank you very much for joining us and for telling us all about your career journey so far. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. This podcast is sponsored by We Are Futures. To find out more about We Are Futures and how we can introduce your brand, business or organisation to the mass markets of tomorrow, visit www.wearefutures.com. Make sure to search for Careers Unwrapped in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found. Remember to click subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at We Are Futures, thanks for listening.